Amen. You may be seated. Please open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. And I'm going to read and preach verses 26 and 27 this morning. The sermon is entitled, Prayer Helper, which refers to the Holy Spirit. These verses are about how the Spirit helps us in our prayers. If you're like me, I'm sure you feel that your prayers could use some help. Perhaps your prayer life doesn't seem very alive at times. Sometimes there's barely a pulse. You know you're supposed to be a prayer warrior, but you feel more like a prayer struggler. You don't have any difficulty focusing when you're on Pinterest, but you have great difficulty focusing when you're in prayer. And you wonder if other Christians struggle as much as you do. And even times when at least outwardly prayer seems to be going fairly well, inwardly there could be selfishness fueling your fervent prayers or fear of man fueling your eloquent prayers if you're praying with others. Or you could drift into thinking that the status of your relationship with God depends entirely on your performance in prayer. And so like a pendulum, you swing back and forth between self-congratulation and guilt and condemnation. Prayer is a struggle. It's a struggle for all of us. Not because there's anything wrong with prayer, but because there's something wrong with the prayer with us. Prayer is a struggle because we're sinners and we are not yet in glory. Prayer is a struggle because we are bombarded every day by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we need help. We need a prayer helper. And we have that in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us. That's what these verses are about. And we'll look at them together this morning. So let's pray and ask God to help us And then we'll give our attention to the reading and the preaching of his word. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are our help. Our help comes from you. And we need help when it comes to prayer. Even now as we pray, we need your help. Please illumine our minds so we can understand these verses and the truths you've revealed to us in them and by them. And please encourage our hearts as we learn more about the help we have in prayer, about the prayer helper we have in the Spirit of God who intercedes for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8, reading verses 26 and 27. This is God's word. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We're going to talk first about prayer weakness, 
And then about prayer strength. You can see in your Bibles that verse 26 begins a new paragraph. And Paul says at the beginning of the verse, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we're going to begin by thinking about those words together. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The word likewise points us back to the previous verse, verse 25, where Paul says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. He's talking about what we do as Christians as we live our lives in the middle, like we talked about last time. As we live our lives as those who are already justified, but who are not yet glorified and who are still being sanctified. As we live our lives in the already, but not yet, what do we do? We hope for our full redemption, and we wait for our full redemption with patience. And likewise, in addition, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What characterizes our lives as God's people in this fallen world is hope, and waiting, and weakness, and the Spirit's help in our weakness. Weakness in general, but more specifically, weakness in prayer, which he'll expand on in a moment. But I want you to notice here at the outset that weakness is assumed to be part of the Christian life, part of our experience as Christians. We don't always go from strength to strength in the Christian life. Often there is weakness. Sometimes because of our finitude and our limitations as creatures, which are not a bad thing, but other times we are weak because of our sin. We are full of faults and failings, sins and struggles. We don't bat a thousand. We strike out a lot, sadly. We struggle with temptation. We struggle with doubt. We struggle with fear, anxiety. We fight against all these things, but if we're honest, we sometimes lose. We fall short of the glory of God. We are also weighed down by the sins of others. We are burdened by the effects of the fall on our own bodies and even on creation all around us. We are weary and worn and weak. And it's okay to admit weakness, both to ourselves and to each other. It's not good that we are weak, but it's good to admit that we are weak and to ask the Spirit of God for strength, because when we are weak, He is strong. It's not good to go around pretending you're strong all the time. It's not honest, for one. It's not helpful to everyone else. And it's not the way to healing. The way to healing is to admit your weakness and to go to God for grace and strength. If you have some sort of physical pain or ailment and yet you won't face the reality of it and you won't go to the doctor to have it checked out, then you can't get the help that you need. And if you don't admit your spiritual weakness, you won't go to the great physician for help and healing. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, we're not saved by our strength. We're not even sanctified by our strength. We are saved and sanctified by the strength of Jesus Christ. And we are sustained in the Christian life by the preserving grace of our Father. So we must recognize our weakness and admit our weakness and then go to God for grace and strength and healing and help. So our lives in the middle in this fallen world are characterized in part by weakness. But as Paul says in this first sentence of verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What a great sentence that is. What a great truth that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. There's no greater helper than the Spirit of the living God. Jesus said in John 14, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Spirit is our helper. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. He often uses means to help us, so his word or his people or good books or even his creation, but ultimately it is the Spirit himself who helps us in those things. The Spirit himself is the source of our help in our weakness. He is the fountain, he is the spring. All those streams flow to us from him. Psalm 121, one and two, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Spirit helps us in our weakness. So let me ask you, do you feel your weakness this morning? Are you weak and heavy laden, cumbered with the load of care as we sing? Have you trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? He knows your every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. He is our refuge. He bears all our sins and griefs. He is a faithful friend who shares our sorrows. In his arms he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. Hebrews 4.16 that we thought about before the service began. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Remember Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So ask him for help in your weakness this morning. Lean on him by faith. Plug into him by faith. Rest in him by faith and his grace will be sufficient for you. 
What Paul does next in verse 26 is he expands on both our weakness and the Spirit's help. First, regarding our weakness, he says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So he's talking about our weakness in prayer. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. Have you ever had that experience? I'm sure you have, where you've started praying for yourself or for someone else, and all of a sudden you just drew a blank about what to pray next. You didn't know what to pray for. Children, maybe you've experienced this before, if you've been asked to pray at the dinner table, perhaps, or at family worship, or if you've prayed at prayer meeting, or just by yourself on your own when you've been praying. You got up the courage to pray in those settings, but then all of a sudden you didn't know what to pray. You didn't know what to say to God. Well, you know that happens to us adults too. Actually, it happens to your pastors and your elders sometimes. All of us have times when we don't know what to pray for as we ought. And by the way, for all of us, as a side note, when that happens, one way forward is just simply to pray the Bible. Just think of a Bible verse that has to do with the person you're praying for or the situation and pray that verse. Pray in light of that verse or just a general verse like the fruit of the Spirit perhaps. So if you draw a blank, fill in the blank with the Bible and that should help in those moments. But this, this is part of our weakness in prayer that we don't know what to pray for. There are many other ways we are weak in prayer, of course. We get distracted in prayer Our minds wander. We don't pray as often as we'd like. We are prayerless relatively or perfunctory in our prayers. We don't pray as fervently as we'd like. At times our prayers are rather dull and half-hearted. Our prayers are sometimes repetitive and rote. The content of our prayers sometimes reveals our selfishness and our worldliness We forget who we're talking to. We doubt that our prayers are making any difference. We promise others will pray for them, but we don't always keep our promises. We are short-sighted and self-centered and earthly-minded. Again, we're not always prayer warriors. Most often, I think, we're prayer strugglers, prayer fumblers and bumblers and stumblers and strugglers. Our prayer life is like Swiss cheese with all those holes in it. So many weak points in our praying that we long to be filled in. We long for those things to be filled in. We are weak in prayer and we need help in prayer. In light of this, if a fellow church member asks you after the service, how can I pray for you? A good way to respond would be to say, you can pray for my prayers. You can pray for my praying, for my prayer life. Sometimes I think it can be hard for us to think of prayer requests on the spot. It shouldn't be hard because we have sinful hearts and we live in a fallen world and the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. So we should have lots of prayer requests. We should have prayer requests just bubbling, boiling over out of our minds and hearts. But if we're ever stumped by that question, how can I pray for you? We can respond with, please pray for my praying. Pray for my prayer life can pray for your elders as we meet for session meeting that the Lord would bless our praying for you at that meeting.
if we're weak in prayer, one thing we can do is to get others praying for our prayer life. Another thing we can do is to listen to others pray and learn from them, whether it be the public prayers in corporate worship or the prayers prayed at prayer meeting on Wednesday nights or the prayers at the dinner table or at family worship or we can read prayers in good books like the Valley of Vision. We can learn to pray by learning from the prayers of others around us. But of course, I don't think there's any substitute to actually praying ourselves. You can learn a thing or two about how to ride a bike by watching someone else do it, but the best way to learn is to climb on the bike yourself and give it a go. And even if it doesn't go very well, to keep at it. Same with prayer. Listen and learn, but give it a go and keep at it. Don't give up. But Paul's talking here about our weakness in prayer and specifically the fact that we don't always know what to pray for as we ought. But thankfully, we're not left stranded in our struggle. There's prayer help. There's prayer strength available to us. Let's consider that now under our second main point, prayer strength. We've already begun to consider this in light of what Paul says in the first sentence. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. But look at what he says in the last part of verse 26. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We groan and the Spirit groans. We try to pray and we don't know what to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit takes our prayers and he cleans them up. Like one of those home improvement shows where they turn an old broken down house into a beautiful home. The Spirit takes our prayers and he renovates them. He remodels them. He restores them. And he presents them before our Heavenly Father. Jesus also intercedes for us. Look down at verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. It says in Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. God the Son intercedes for us before God the Father, and God the Spirit intercedes for us before God the Father. John Murray wrote, the children of God have two divine intercessors. Christ is their intercessor in the court of heaven. The Holy Spirit is their intercessor in the theater of their own hearts. The Spirit himself intercedes for us, Paul says. He reiterates this point in verse 27, and in the second half of verse 27, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit intercedes for the saints, he says, not like St. Peter or St. Paul or St. Mary, but like St. Deckard 
and St. Sylvia and St. Philip and St. Dottie. In the Bible, all believers are saints. At the beginning of Romans, Paul wrote, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. At the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he wrote, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So all believers are saints. And the Spirit intercedes for the saints, for all the saints, according to the will of God. So if you don't feel like you're a very good prayer, the Spirit's got you covered. The Spirit will intercede for you before the Father. Not that that should make you lazy in prayer, but it should make you at peace and at rest in prayer knowing that God the Son and God the Spirit are interceding for you before God the Father. Paul goes on to say in verse 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In other words, God searches our hearts and therefore he knows we don't know what to pray for and God knows the mind of the spirit he knows the intention of the spirit in his intercession for us because the spirit intercedes for us according to God's will that is the spirit intercedes for us according to God's plan for us and that means his prayers will always be answered in the affirmative So sometimes we don't know what to pray, but we can take heart because the Spirit prays for us according to God's will for us. We don't know what to pray for because we don't know what would be best for us, but the Spirit knows, and He intercedes for us according to what's best for us, according to the will of God, the plan of God. That's the gist of what Paul's saying here, but let's take a closer look at what he says. First, he refers to he who searches hearts, which is a reference to God the Father. Let me pause to say that there are some things here that should inform our understanding of the Trinity, of the triune nature of the one true God. God has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is clearly personal in these verses and not impersonal. He is said to help us and to intercede for us and to groan for us and he has a mind. And at the same time, the spirit is distinct from the father. The spirit intercedes for us to the father. The father searches hearts and knows what is the mind of the spirit and the spirit intercedes for us according to the will of the father. There's one God, and yet there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are distinct persons. The Father and the Spirit are clearly distinct from one another in these verses. That's the point I'm making. And yet all three persons are divine. They are all persons of the Godhead. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. God in three persons, 
blessed trinity as we sing. And regarding the Father, Paul says that he searches our hearts. And therefore, the implication is that he knows how we struggle in prayer. He knows that we don't know what to pray for as we ought. He knows our prayer weakness. He knows our prayer struggles. But that's not the only thing he knows about us. He knows everything about us. He searches our hearts. Psalm 139, 1 through 4. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. The psalmist goes on to say in verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There are many verses in scripture that talk about God knowing our hearts. Just a few, 1 Samuel 16, verse seven, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord sees your heart at mine this morning. 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. The Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. And as Jesus said in John or Luke 16, 15, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. Kids, some of you have learned in the kids' catechism in your Sunday school class or perhaps in your home, does God know all things? Does God know all things? And maybe the answer is coming to your mind right now, which is yes, nothing can be hid from God. Nothing can be hid from God. God searches our hearts with a searchlight and then with a black light and then with an infrared light. He can see everything. Nothing can be hidden from our God. 1 Corinthians 4 Verse five, therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Hebrews four twelve and 13, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's why we need Jesus. God sees our sin, and God will judge our sin unless we repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus. Jesus who died on the cross as a sacrifice for sin and who rose again victorious over sin. And if we put our faith in him, then we don't have to be afraid of God searching our hearts. We can pray with David who said, again at the end of Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.
If we don't have Christ, we should be afraid of God searching our hearts. If we have Christ, we should welcome God searching our hearts because he searches us in order to cleanse us. Like an exterminator searches your house in order to cleanse your house of pests. And you want him to search your house thoroughly so he can get rid of whatever he finds, wherever he finds it. It's good news that God searches our hearts. We should welcome that because we know that he will exterminate whatever he finds that is unclean. And we want to be clean. We want to be holy like he is holy. But he searches our hearts and therefore he knows we don't know what to pray for. He also knows what is the mind of the Spirit. That is, he knows or understands the intention of the Spirit in the intercession of the Spirit. The Spirit intercedes for us according to his will. Now, we don't know God's will. God's decretive will, that is. We know God's preceptive will, God's precepts or commands. Those are revealed in scripture, but we don't know God's decretive will, that is God's decrees, God's plan, that has not been revealed to us in scripture. We know the revealed things, but we don't know the secret things, but the spirit knows the secret things, and he intercedes for us according to the secret will of God. He intercedes for us according to God's plan. As one author put it, believers then should take tremendous encouragement that the will of God is being fulfilled in their lives despite their weakness and inability to know what to pray for. God's will is not frustrated because of the weakness of believers. It is fulfilled because the Spirit intercedes for us and invariably receives affirmative answers. To his pleas. So, as we draw to a close this morning, let me just say that we should take tremendous encouragement from this. Because, again, we struggle in prayer, we get discouraged. And of course, we want to grow in prayer. We don't want to settle, we don't want to be content with where we are in our prayer life. But despite our struggles, despite our weakness, God's plan is not frustrated. God's plan is fulfilled because the Spirit intercedes for us. Someone once said, God will either give us what we ask for in prayer or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. God will either give us what we ask for in prayer or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. He knows everything. He knows everything there is to know about us. He knows everything there is to know about everything. Everything going on in our lives, everything going on in the lives of our loved ones, everything going on in the whole wide world. And he'll either give us what we ask for or if he doesn't, he'll give us instead what he knows is best for us. 
He'll give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. That should give us great hope in prayer. That should give us great help in prayer. Knowing that the Spirit intercedes for us according to the perfect plan of God. So we're always going to get what's best for us and what's most for the glory of God. Truly the Spirit helps us in our weakness.